You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another positive and curious episode of Ask Drone You as we ask questions to allow you, the viewer, to make up your own mind. And as always, joining me this week, all the way from the dark side of the Atlantic, where wind powers more of their products than coal. That's right, I'm talking about the Flying Dutchman. Haya, how are you? Very good, my friends. How are you doing today? I, you know what? It has been a wild day, and I'm doing great, brother. <laughs> awesome. That's what you're doing, man. <laughs> yeah, how are you? Are you doing all right? Yeah, we're doing good. I mean, it's getting colder here in New York, so it's time to start thinking about moving south, I think, for the next couple of months. But otherwise, uh, things are good here. Well, um, you can enjoy the roller coaster of the Southwest, if you like, because there's a running joke that by 9 o'clock, you're dressed for the wintertime. By about 11 o'clock, though, you have, you know, you're into spring clothing. And then by 2 p.m., it's full summer shorts and T-shirt as we range from... 30 degrees in the morning to 65 in the evening with full UV light. It feels like 75. So if you want to experience all four seasons in one day, Haya, New Mexico's got your back, buddy. Uh, there you go. Yeah, not like New York. It doesn't get so hot here. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, that brings us to our first story, which actually is extremely exciting because, well, that's right. Haya, the Flying Dutchman and myself, we brought you news before anyone else. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about how DJI might change the way we all fly. I'm talking about the DJI FPV drone, which we leaked here back in September. But now we know well, it might be coming right about now. Haya, what do you have? Yeah, we knew it was coming. We knew DJI was working on this. And especially in the last couple of weeks, we saw already a bunch of leaked uh, photos, video even. Uh, so we knew something was up. I mean, especially when DJI had that one teaser video on Twitter showing uh, a recording that's pretty much for sure was taken with an FPV drone. We knew this was going to happen. However, of course, until you have the actual release, it's hard to know for sure except for the FCC filings. Whenever a new product is being launched uh, from DJI, uh, they typically have an FCC filing that is made public. And I think the way the FCC works has changed a little bit. Now it seems that the filing, the day of making that filing public is much, much closer to the actual launch date of the products. Whereas uh, a couple of years ago, that could still be a period of weeks in between. So now today, actually we saw the filings being released or being made public by the FCC for the remote controller the goggles version 2 and the dji fpv drone so we've seen all three there's some information in there not a heck of a lot i mean it's basically just a confirmation that we now know the official name and we know that this product is actually coming some of the letters i've seen were dated uh, september 25th so that shows us that this process has been in the works for some time. We're not 100% sure whether we're going to see this drone still this year. I mean, there's a chance that they might launch it in January. Hi, however, don't think that's going to be the case. I think DJI would be foolish to not get this uh, in stores before the Christmas uh, shopping season, of course. Uh, and with these new 
procedures from the FCC, it might well be feasible that this drone could be released as soon as early next week. Personally, I haven't had a call from DJI yet to say, hey, uh, would you like to be under NDA and not talk about the DJI FPV drone anymore? I'm expecting that to happen shortly. And yeah, other than that, uh, super exciting news. I think it's going to open up a whole new world of drone flying to uh, to a group of people that have yet to experience uh, FPV flying. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, actually. I think you're really on to something here, Haya, about DJI kind of changing the way that we learn how to fly. And that's what I wrote about last week, because I think that this drone has a gimbal on it. And a lot of my friends, and I want to give credit to Trent Sigurd at Quadcopter Guy on Instagram, phenomenal friend. He's been in the industry longer than I have. And he was like, well, Paul, don't you think it would be just super weird if there was a gimbal on the drone? How would FPV people utilize DJI's drone? And then it just made me think, what if DJI uses software to allow traditional FPV pilots to fly the FPV drone as they've always flown FPV drones? But there's software to allow newer pilots to kind of lower the learning curve a little bit on learning how to fly FPV because we all know how difficult it is. I mean, like, I don't know about you, Haya, but when it comes to learning FPV flying, I had more crashes than successful takeoffs in my first dozen flights. I don't know about you, but I'm just saying it's... Uh, yeah, but typically when you look at FPV drones, that, that camera angle is fixed, right? I mean, you can adjust it, but then it's fixed in place. And when you look at these leaked photos of the DJI FPV drone, it seems that it actually is a tilting mechanism. And it could either be automatically tilting, dependent on your speed, or it could also be something that you can actually adjust as you fly your drone. And yeah, I think this could be a, a game changer for many, because of course, it depends whether you fly more cinematic or if you fly more uh, acrobatic, then the speed will be different, your maneuvers will be different, and then your camera angle uh, should be different as well. And if you can adjust that on the fly, uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's a plus for many pilots. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more, Haya. In fact, I think the way that the drone looks as far as it being, you know, really built up, really, uh, it looks almost industrial grade so that people can kind of go through crashes. But DJI is doing something that no one else has done. They are creating an all-in-one, you do not have to build it yourself, RTF or ready-to-fly FPV or Cinewhoop drone. I mean, it looks like there's two cameras here, so maybe we might be able to get you know better Cinewhoop quote-unquote footage. But I would also like to remind everyone why we think that this, why I think, I'll speak for myself, why I think that this is such a big deal. Haya, I don't think you were around when GoPro and the Karma and DJI were battling it out because DJI with the Phantom 3, they wanted to utilize their own camera system. And remember the whole talks about DJI and GoPro working together and Mm -hmm. then GoPro came out with the Karma kit and the absolutely horrendous gimbal that was trying to be like an Osmo. And, you know, this fight just kind of battled out. Well, GoPro really solidified their existence in the FPV community by purchasing the company RealSteady. RealSteady is a software program that takes super jittery footage and makes it buttery smooth by essentially cropping and removing the edges, blah, blah, blah. We all know what uh, Warp Stabilizer did. Imagine that on steroids. Now, RealSteady now really only works with GoPro cameras. So most Cinewhoopers who are flying FPV, they're flying a GoPro camera and using real steady, right? If we have a gimbaled camera, there's no need for real steady. 
I mean, literally, there is zero need for it. So it makes me wonder, is this DJI's second attempt to be like, ha gotcha. Oh, but I think I think DJI has been working on this uh, for some time. I mean, if you look at the DJI Osmo Action, they have uh, stabilizing software built in. I mean, all, all the things they've been working on, even the Osmo Pocket, like they already have all the mechanical components basically to then go ahead and build an FPV drone. And I think they've been smart by first working on something that sets them apart when they launched the, uh, the goggles and the uh, um, high definition video feed. That kind of was totally new. That allowed them to kind of dip their toes into the water, test out the FPV market. And I think they've, at least to me, it seems that they, they've taken their time to figure out how to compete in this new um, segment of the market. And they're not going to go head on with the FPV product because there's no need for them to do so. I think what they're going to do is they're going to open up the door to people who have yet to experience FPV flying, who want to be able to take off slowly, hover the drone even, just fly it almost like a regular drone. But then as they progress, they start to fly more aggressively and, and come up with all these crazy turns. So, and that's something you can't easily do with FPV, right? Because when you fly those drones, you kind of have to jump right in. The only way to do it easier is either you fly a simulator or use small cinewhoops. But if you get to a more race-type FPV drone, it's it's full-on. Uh, and even apart from that, you have to build the drone, program the drone, solder all the pieces. And I think the, the crowd that DJI is going after are the people that probably enjoy flying more than building and repairing their drones. Um, so I think, yeah, I think they, they played this smart. Yeah, I think they played it extremely smart, frankly. But that actually brings us to kind of our next story, which I think really builds onto this story, by the way. And that's why I'm switch tracking so fast into it. But it seems like there was one law enforcement agency who is using drones a lot like in the way that, well, we planned here at Drone U. Drone U, we got this office space race course, right? It's great for, for doing FPV racing. It's great for drinking and flying. Why do I say that? Because it's inside no FAA jurisdiction. But it's also a phenomenal tool for helping pilots learn to fly in confined space spaces. So that if people have to enter a, a dangerous situation, and I mean closely enter where maybe law enforcement is already on site because we need that human uh, interpretation, right? That's so important. But we also don't want to endanger the lives of police officers. So I think it's so cool that police officers are now using little FPV Cinewhip drones to, well, save police officers' lives. Is that right, Haya? Yeah, that is correct. I mean, there's two stories here, uh, here really. I mean, one is uh, Chula Vista Police Department in Southern California. They use drones uh, for different purposes. And then there's another story that I was in the process of writing as we started the show, where in Sacramento, they've used a small FPV drone to fly into an active crime scene when police was already present at the location through a slightly open door, which... That would not have fit any other drone, probably other than a, a really tiny uh, FPV drone. Flies into the room and basically is able to look around, uh, see what the, what the situation is, if how many people are there, relay that information back to a control center, who then instruct their their police officers on the scene. So. And that's a totally new way of using drones by police, as far as I've seen uh, recently. This video was from early November, I believe. Chula Vista, on the other hand, they've been using drones for the last two years under their drone as a first responder program, which is part or used to be part of the uh, UAS IPP program. 
And they've been using, for instance, the DJI Matrice 300s to fly out to a um, scene of an emergency or crime scene based on uh, 911 calls. And they've been allowed by the FAA to almost cover, I think it's like 70% of their city that they can cover from two locations with their Matrice 300 drones. And when they get a call, the drone automatically flies out to that location. They have a certified pilot who is there when the drone takes off and when it returns to land. And only uh, once the drone actually gets to the scene and a pilot will take over control of the drone and fly it there before sending it back. Since they've started this program, they've done 40, more than 4,100 drone flights, and they sometimes do as many as 15 flights a day with this drone. So just imagine where this is heading. I mean, it's a great use of drones, although on the flip side, it also raises a lot of questions in terms of uh, civil liberties and people that are concerned that you can use these drones to very specifically go after certain groups of people or certain crimes in certain areas. So it also brings up an entire discussion. Now, lastly, uh, Chula Vista also uses a Skydio drone to research or to, to fly into areas with a lot of obstacles, which they claim only a Skydio drone could do. So those are three examples of how police use drones. So first and foremost, I want to clarify my position because I do not at all support Chula Vista and what they're doing for their drone as a responder. Um, I think that we need people and human interpretation and that uh, understanding to make decisions instead of police. And I want to clarify too that when I said, you know, police using Cinewhoops, it was the example of that story that you were telling me pre-show of the guys in Sacramento who had a SWAT situation and police was all the, the police were already on site. The drone just flew in a, in front of the police inside of the home to essentially ensure that the police entering would be safe, which in my opinion is a very different circumstance from sending a drone first instead of police. I do not think that we should be providing tools that have a gray area of legal interpretation and then put that legal interpretation on people who are already underpaid and who are already doing things that most people wouldn't do and who are already overstressed. I don't think that we should be testing legal things with law enforcement. I don't think that that's the way to go. That being said, I do find it interesting that Chula Vista just mentioned that they're using the M300 for those BVLOS flights. I do find that very funny. That being said, Haya, um, you know, you really brought up a really great point is there's a lot of legal questions here in how these drones are being used in these different various capacities because we know drones, these tools can be used for a thousand different things. And we've really got to come up with, and this is something we can learn from the FAA, these risk-based performance systems. I mean, oh God, I just wish our politicians were smart enough to have used that in the wake of COVID. And just like Rick Santelli said, how come we're using the easiest solution and not really asking the harder questions to come to a more optimum solution? And in regards to that analogy regarding tools for law enforcement, I don't think that we should be testing these things in the field. I think that they should be tested elsewhere. That being said, Haya, there is a lot uh, that, that's kind of baked into this legal question. And I think there's even more legal questions that come about. And I appreciate the opportunity to interrupt you because I wanted to make it extremely clear. I do not support 
police or drones as a first responder. I think we're learning this year how important human interaction and engagement and and uh, and interpretation are. Yeah, but I, I can also see an upside to it, though, because if you if you get a drone like a Matrice 300 with a strong zoom lens out there first and it's hovering pretty high over the scene and just observes and it tells you, oh, instead of the three cars that were reported in this accident, there's actually three cars, one bicycle and a motorcyclist. So maybe now we have better information. Now we know how many officers to send out there, whether we need any medical people. So um, I think you just I, made another beautiful argument as to why the FAA well, needs to understand practical drone operations, because mm-hmm. I can fly my DJI Matrice 300, 400 feet above this office and not move 50 feet laterally. And with the Z30 camera, I can see up to 20 miles in every you direction. Can. I wouldn't yeah. need to fly BVLOS. Oh, gosh. Great distances, for sure. But what I was going to say is that a lot of times when you start testing these new uh, technologies in a real life setting, that's when those questions and discussions uh, come up, right? That's when people say, well, hey, did you think about this? How about those rights? How about my privacy? How about safety? Like you can, if if it was just a bunch of drone guys like uh, theorizing and coming up with an idea, that's one thing. But if you put the drone actually to use, like what they're doing in the Chula Vista Police Department, now it becomes a, a much bigger discussion because now you get local journalists writing about it. It ends up in a newspaper. Uh, civil liberty groups are becoming active and now it becomes a much, much bigger discussion in your society. So I hear the concerns, uh, but I think this might actually be the fastest and the most effective way to kind of iron all this stuff out and figure out how you can actually use drones. And uh, what I thought was interesting of this Sacramento story is we've now seen the police use drones at, at basically four different levels, right? We've seen the military-grade drones being used to monitor protests in, uh, in Portland, Oregon. We've seen drones like the Matrice 300 being used by police. You get to the smaller drones like the Mavics, the Skydios being used, and now as well the micro drones uh, or FPV drones being used. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see that this technology is being used by different police departments in the country and then all at these different levels as well. Yeah, yes, Haya. And I hope that you're right that the discussion is brought forward by the press and we actually come to an amicable solution that protects privacy and the rights of police officers. I would argue, though, that I think the proof is in the pudding and that will absolutely never happen because Edward Snowden told us the government is watching our phones. He proved it. They made a movie about it in 2016. He explained the formulas and source code and how it's done. And yet we still give up our privacy every single day. And yet we still do not have a digital bill of rights. So while I would like to think whimsically that you're right, I would say the world has depressed my thought process on that a little bit. But hey, let's keep the hope up here, Haya. Which brings us to our next story. Well, in our next piece of news, Haya, this actually brings back a lot of positive memories for me as a teenager sitting on my couch playing Xbox. That's right. I'm talking about GoldenEye. And if you are like me, then the favorite thing to do in that game was the dual wield cheek. But now one of those famous observatories that was, well, in a huge scene in the movie GoldenEye and also a level in the game has been destroyed. Yet one drone pilot captured unbelievable footage of that destruction. Haya, what do you have? Yeah, Arecibo Observatory. Uh, You have this 900-ton structure hanging over a dish, 
And I think the first cable started to break back in August. Then in November, there were more cables that broke. And at that point, they already said, okay, this is becoming too dangerous. People cannot access this area anymore. We're afraid that this uh, entire structure might actually collapse. And that's exactly what happens uh, about a week ago now. The, the interesting thing is that, of course, the actual destruction of the, those cables or the breaking of those cables, of course, is quite a random moment. And what's interesting here is that they've been using drones to keep an eye on the structure. And sure enough, just as they're flying the drone over one of those towers, exactly the right tower where that cable breaks, they capture the entire collapse of the uh, 900 ton structure that was hanging over that dish. They capture it in real time and it's pretty phenomenal. It's also pretty sad because like you mentioned, it's a very iconic dish and yeah, a pretty amazing uh, piece of technology there. So to see that collapse is, is, is kind of horrendous in a way. Having it captured by a drone kind of proves the point again that drones are so useful in so many different ways. And in this case, they were used to, to observe and, and to monitor uh, the degradation of this uh, structure basically and then somehow luckily they even captured the collapse of it yeah that video is absolutely incredible the fact that he captured the, it, the right moment man i mean it just yeah. really makes you wonder how uh but sometimes god's timing is perfect uh that being said everything happens for a reason um that being said that brings us to our next story which is actually pretty cool here haya just kidding not get into that story yet We've got a giveaway we're announcing. Wait for the next story. Guess what? Well, it looks like, Haya, you were right again. In your Game of Drones article, you foreshadowed that a lot of DJI employees were kind of on their way out. And yet, as we learned today in this next piece of news, well, once again, Haya, you were right. Yeah, we've already seen people leave DJI earlier this year, and even prior to that, people were laid off by DJI as part of their uh, long march reforms, which basically is their way of saying, we're gonna reorganize and make our company uh, more Chinese than it already is. And that has not been appreciated in other parts uh, of the DJI organization globally. I know from people in Europe, and especially here in the United States, that not everybody has been as pleased with these cultural changes or organizational changes that have been taking place with within DJI since early this year. Now, of course, the corona pandemic and also the data security concerns that were expressed by various members of the US government didn't help DJI either. So 2020, I think it's fair to say, has been quite a turbulent year for DJI, uh, even though they still pulled off to launch a ton of new products. So I give them credit for that for sure. But some people got fed up and it seems that the latest two people to leave DJI are Sonal Bait, uh, she was a product manager, left DJI to join Exxon. And Cynthia Wang, director of business development for the enterprise department, she was mainly responsible for all the uh, the energy, the oil and gas uh, customers. And she has left DJI as well and now works for Artarian. So on one hand, we see that power within these um different departments of DJI is kind of being drawn back to China. On the flip side, you see people that are working in these local uh parts of the business, such as North America, are jumping ship. And with that, they take all their knowledge, their experience, their business connections, the connections with their customers. So I think DJI uh, loses uh, a lot more than just a person in this case. Um, I think it's a worrying um, development. I know some of these people that have left DJI, and it's, it's, it's a shame to see them go. I think DJI would have been better off by keeping these people on board and being better able to 
how do you say that, to um, bridge the gap between having a Chinese head office with a Chinese culture and a language barrier, and then with the people here in North America, but also in Europe, and to be able to get products to the market that people or that customers here actually want. So to lose these people, I think, is, uh, is very unfortunate. But yeah, uh, we've seen a lot of cultural changes and organizational changes within DJI in this, uh, in this past year. Unfortunate, but one good uh, silver lining is that a few of the people that we were worried about and that I mentioned earlier this year are still around at DJI, and we're grateful for that. Um, which brings us to our final story today. Haya, it seems like you really want to empower and inspire people to take flight. You want to allow the hobbyists to move up and to make money with their drones and maybe even get a drone as well. Now, many of you may be familiar that Haya and DroneU partnered up over the holiday week, the Thanksgiving week, to give away numerous drones, courses, equipment, and so much more. Well, it looks like Haya wants to keep the snowball rolling here. And we partnered up, that's right, to do another giveaway. Haya, what are you yeah. giving away, man? This is all you this time. You are the fearless leader. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And thanks for, for supporting it with, uh, with those courses. So this is the deal. We're giving away 20 Part 107 uh, courses online from DroneU. I think this is awesome. I mean, a lot of people might be Part 107 pilots without even realizing it. That's what we've seen happen lately. So to get your Part 107 is a good thing. You'll be a better, more safe drone pilot. And also you'll be able to actually use your drone and turn your hobby into a profession. Like I said, DroneU offers 20 of these online courses to help you get that certificate. They're valid for one month, so there should be plenty of time for anybody to kind of learn all the rules, get their exam and pass. We're giving away 20 of them in the month of December. This giveaway is going to end on December 25th at noon, and I'll make sure that we publish the winners uh, shortly after this giveaway ends. However, to sweeten the deal, we're also going to throw in a Skydio drone. Now, we've been pretty critical about Skydio and the way that they promote their drone and the videos that they put out there. Um, we definitely have some, uh, some things to say about that, but we'll save that for Twitter, uh, where it's way more fun to go into this stuff. Um, like I said, we're giving away 20 courses and one Skydio drone. So check out the, the page on Drone Excel. Every article that's been posted recently has a link to this giveaway. Make sure you participate. Make sure you tell your friends and your family. And if this giveaway success, then is a success, then we'll probably do a second one come January. So even if you didn't win this time, there's a good chance you might win in the next month. Um, yeah, that's it. Pretty excited about it. The previous giveaway that we did was a massive success. So we're hoping to uh, to do something similar in, uh, in the month of December. And I do want to remind everyone out there, the winners won because of how much they shared their unique link. Like one of the winners, I think, even though it was just one person, I think they had 1,100 entries, uh, which really increased their wow. chances of winning. Yeah, we had one person who had like almost 10,000 entries. Um, so uh, that being said, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a huge success to be said. And we want to help people take flight. We want to help people understand how to access airspace. But we also want to help those who want to help themselves, which is why we gave away the Part 107 courses. Now, Haya, you bring up many questions and many points about the things that we've been talking about regarding Skydio. And I have to say, we've just been asking a question of 
okay, well, how do you stop a flyaway? I mean, it's in the Skydio manual that obstacle avoidance is always on and it's always prioritized over the pilot. So I just, at this point, with all the back and forth, and people have spent a significant amount of time on Twitter, which I really feel bad for them. But at this point, why doesn't Skydio just take that one parameter off and change it? It's a simple software switch to allow the pilot to have ultimate control. And I just don't understand why Mm -hmm. all this college-like Twitter battling when we're just asking a question. And now the question is, why not just do it? Why spend all this time arguing the safety of the aircraft when one simple parameter, I mean, do you remember when we complained to DJI that we thought the Mavic 2 Enterprise Dual and the Mavic 2 Enterprise were not safe drones because they did not have attitude mode? And then three DJI trainers came to our training in Seattle, Washington at our flight school, and we went through all of the attitude mode trainings. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, this makes a lot of sense. Then DJI and John McBride came out with their own training that had attitude mode drills, but the drones didn't have attitude mode. Shortly thereafter, I think it was not even a month later, DJI added attitude mode because it's a safety feature. It's It, it, it complies with the law. And so anyway, we're here to ask questions, Haya. Now the answers, the decisions, well, that that's up to the user. Yeah, and I, I agree with you because it should be only a simple software change basically to make this mode available. I mean, unless, but I doubt that, unless this drone would not be able to fly without having obstacle avoidance on all the time. But I'm pretty sure you should be able to fly the Skydio 2 drone fully manual without obstacle avoidance, without any issues. They just need to make it available. On top of that, a lot of people are still waiting for their Skydio drones. We know that I think they're working on their April and May orders to fulfill them now in December. So what is that, like six, seven, eight months behind? Um, a lot of people are getting anxious, and I've flown my Skydio plenty of times. I know you did too. So it kind of makes me feel good to actually give this drone away to somebody else and let them experience the technology. Because still, I mean, the the way the drone flies and the way that the Skydio 2 is, is um able to avoid obstacles is mind-blowing still like that's that stuff is awesome um our issue more has to do with having a pilot in command and being able to fly a drone fully manual which like you pointed out already is a requirement uh, from the fea when you fly part 107 but anyway we're giving away this one right now and then the second one in january so if you want to win like paul said earlier be sure to share it and with your friends and with your family to increase your chances of winning Uh, we have 20 of those online courses to give away to help you get your part 107 and then we'll throw in a skydio drone just for fun and i do just want to say too i think it's extremely important um to mention the fact that We as an industry have to ask these questions because it's clear that the FAA counts on the private industry to bring issues to light. But this, as we saw with Boeing, can really cause a massive problem when you're only listening to those who pay you versus those who actually do this job for a living. And, you know, that being said, there are some really cool things that you can do with the Skydio. I mean, I mean, there really are. But the other issue is, Haya, have we not seen the damage 
specifically in public safety agencies, from overhyping features of drones from other manufacturers and the damage that that's caused to people's jobs, people's ability to buy new equipment in the future, and people's ability to use said equipment that they already purchase. I mean, you know, this is one of the conversations I had with Fritz and G when I did my first video with them is we've got to be careful to not overhype our products because it has already cost people their jobs. And I think it would be very negative for Skydio to, you know, say promise all these things and not deliver because we need an American drone manufacturer to step up right, right now. But it's not Skydio. I mean, unfortunately, and that's not anything to do with me, you, or anyone on the internet, on the internet. It has to do with their decisions and what they want to do. And they've made it very clear what they want to do. The only issue is the myopia of the engineering team has taken over the practical thought processes of, uh, I don't know, everyone else. And so we're seeing this drone that focuses on doing this one thing really, really, really well while also trying to negate all these other things that are safety issues. They are ways to mitigate against flyaways. And, you know, at the time when we did that first video and I said, wow, this is great. It's cool technology. Great. Follow me drone. There's a lot of potential for this drone. Right. And we asked those questions at the time and uh, the process has evolved. By the way, I only wrote that article asking the question regarding Skydio safety after having reached out to two federal prosecutors, formal federal prosecutors, one from the FAA, one from another agency. And then I reached out to two other agencies and asked personal opinions from people who are not representing the agency or their job or any of that and asked them a very practical question about flying the Skydio and how to stop an issue. Now, I know you broke that story regarding uh, the guy whose kid almost got hit by the Skydio drone. Um, look, I think it's actually really, really easy. In fact, I just remembered Adam Bree showed me at CES one year how to go into the Skydio's file system. And I just remembered that and I wrote it down at the time and I remember where I wrote it down. And so now I'm gonna see, I wonder if like DJI, we can go into the parameters and change the parameter to say obstacle avoidance always on. And if it's as easy as a one or a zero, then oh. why isn't Skydio doing it? <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> you know? So anyway, I just wanted an opportunity, Haya, to kind of explain where I'm at with this Skydio thing because my goal is to protect drone pilots and ensure success over the long term. If there is a question regarding safety, I'm going to ask that question. And I'm not going to be afraid to ask that question. I just want to ensure that we get an answer to that question. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, like you said, I'm pretty sure that it should be something that they can adjust in software. And if that's the case, then uh, it could be a quick and an easy fix. And then we'll, we'll be happy to revisit Skydio again and, uh, and talk more about that drone for sure. Dear Skydio, I'll be the first person singing your praises if you do it. <laughs> Hiya, that means I get to write the article first, okay? Not you, me. <laughs> anyway, well, Hiya, I just want to say how much I appreciate you and all the news that you bring to us, all the facts and the quick-hitting information. And I know that sometimes we ask some questions that ruffle feathers, but... You know, one of the greatest forms of intelligence is asking questions without offending people. I am not even close to there. So thanks for your grace. Awesome. Pleasure being on the show as always, man. And let's uh, keep those questions coming and let's 
do another show next week. I'm excited. I'm excited, Haya. Sorry, talk to your face off. Everyone, thanks again for joining us. As always, as the millennials would say, smash that subscribe button, okay, and just give us a like. And if you find the information useful, if you find the information, uh, it helps, you know, bridge curiosity, then give it a share. But anyway, that is going to do it for all of us at the flight crew here at Drone U. And that's not negating the Flying Dutchman. Haya, thank you as always. That's going to do it for us today. This is Ask Drone U. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.